Good morning, Brinesburg. It is good to see you this morning, and I hope you've had a great week. I know the Lord moved in a powerful way uh, during our time of revival services, and we thank the Lord for the work that he began, and I believe uh, he's just starting. I believe that revival is continuing on, uh, and so uh, we're excited to be able to begin a service once again this morning with Believer's Baptism, and this morning Lucas is coming. Lucas, and he came forward uh, last Sunday night during our first service of revival, and he came a long way because he came from the back corner of the balcony, and uh, that's when you know a person's making a genuine decision when they're willing to come from the back corner of the balcony, and I saw them coming, and I just, uh, I was beginning to praise the Lord right there because I knew the Lord was working, and then to hear uh, his, his profession of faith uh, last Sunday night and desire to join the church through, believe, uh, through Believer's Baptism was just a wonderful thing to hear, and uh, so thankful for him. And I'm glad his family can be here and friends can be here. And so this morning he wants to give that testimony uh, of believer's baptism today. And so, Lucas, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, upon that profession of faith, under the authority of our Savior Jesus Christ, and under the authority of Brinesburg Baptist Church, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism. And you're raised to walk in newness of life. Amen, brother. Amen. And we're excited to know we've got others that are going to be baptized in the coming weeks and other decisions that I know are going to be made in the coming weeks. And so we have reason to celebrate this morning. Let's continue in worship.
Let's stand together as we begin. I will sing of my Redeemer. Let's stand, please. <coughs> Purchase me. 
This morning, as we have our opening time of prayer here at the altar, we recognize that we all come with a certain amount of burden and concern upon our hearts and in our lives, and we want to be able to just continue to focus on what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. So we want to give you the opportunity here at the beginning of our time together uh, to come and to to, to pray. Maybe you want to stay in your pew. Maybe you want to come to this altar and uh, spend some time in prayer. Uh, Maybe there at home, in front of that chair or that couch, wherever you may be, uh, make that a, a place just between you and the Lord. Um, but let's, uh, let's spend some time with our Lord and Savior. Let's, let's lay down whatever the burden is and allow him to take it and allow him trust him to take it and not to tra- take it up again. And so with every head bowed and with all eyes closed, I want you to know this altar is open at this time. Let's spend some time in prayer together. Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, all of us bring a certain amount of baggage into a service. Because of the life around us, the world we live in, Lord, life is hard. And we are so thankful to know that we worship a Savior and a Lord who knows that pain, who knows that struggle. Because, Lord, you didn't just watch us from afar off. Lord, you came and you dwelt among us put on flesh and you dwelt among us Lord you experienced all the hurt and all the pain and all the struggle and you did it without sin and Lord you loved us so much that you went to the cross of Calvary and you died in our place you shed your blood for the remission of our sins that Lord in a relationship with you that we can know what it is to be in right relationship with the Father and so Lord we are so thankful for the fact that you rose again on that third day defeating sin death hell and the grave and that we can have victory in you. And Lord, that means victory in all these different aspects of life that can be such a struggle at times. Lord, that we can trust you with it, whether it be relationships that are broken, whether it be finances that are out of control, whether it be a lost loved one that we just don't know how to share with, Lord, we can give it to you, and Lord, we can trust you with it. And so, Lord, today, whatever the needs might be, I pray that we would lay it down at the foot of the cross and trust you to take care of whatever the issue may be. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it.
Nothing took his love, with love he gave it, he was crucified on a tree. Look down in time, 
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Ashley, for that special music. Who's glad to be here this morning? Amen. Who was in Sunday school? All right. Okay. Well, if you were in Sunday school this morning, we studied as adults, Nehemiah, right? And all of us probably got something a little different out of that message. The Lord spoke to me and said, you know, to have a great service, we need to have the Word of God preached for six hours. Is that, what, is that what everybody else got? I'm getting some no's. Okay, well, that, that's what I got from it. I don't know. But uh, it was a great lesson. I enjoyed that lesson. And I hope you were in Sunday school. If you're not involved in Sunday school class, I encourage you to get plugged in. 10 o'clock, we're here at 10 o'clock. And uh, we have a great time of fellowship and time of prayer and, and the word of God proclaimed. And so uh, I hope that you'll get plugged into one of those, one of those classes. I uh, also want to make a plug for tonight. Over the next three weeks, um, we're going to be uh, looking again. We did this a couple years ago, but COVID was a couple years ago, and a lot of you weren't there. Uh, so uh, we're going to begin looking again at our Three Circles Personal Evangelism Training. And I just want to take you through that over the next three weeks. And the reason for that is uh, we're getting close to Thanksgiving, and we're getting close to an opportunity, I need, I, at least for me, I know, where I'm going to be with my one. And I'm going to have the opportunity to have a conversation with my one. And I believe if I have that opportunity, many of you are going to have that opportunity too. And I want you to have a way to be able to just, in a conversational way, um, to be able to simply share a simple gospel message. Non-confrontational, just in a conversation of just, this is what God's doing in my life. This is how he's worked in my life. And, and to be able to have that conversation with your one. So over the next three weeks, that's what we're going to be doing on Sunday night. I'd love for you to be here. Uh, I think it's going to be a blessing to you. I believe it's something God's going to use in your life. And so I hope that you'll be here starting tonight for the next three weeks at least. Uh, this morning as we spend time in God's Word, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 this morning. And as we have been doing this whole past week, we're going to be kind of focusing on the subject of grace once again as we look at man's fall and God's grace. As you turn there to Genesis chapter 3, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, I thank you again for the opportunity to spend time in worship. Lord, as we studied in Sunday school this morning, it's good for your people to purposefully gather together for the purpose of your word being proclaimed. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. And I know that because it is your word, that it is going to speak to our hearts and into our lives, Lord, that it's not going to return void, Lord, that it's going to accomplish what you set forth for it to accomplish. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that starting with me, Lord, that you would speak to us as a church family. Lord, I pray if I have one friend today even who is here that does not yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, that today would be a day where they recognize that they are a sinner, what all of us have to recognize in order to enter into a relationship with you, that, Lord, they would recognize that they are a sinner and that they need forgiveness and that forgiveness can only come from you. And, Lord, that they might enter into that personal love relationship with you even today. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that we would recognize that, Lord, we have been saved by grace and we have been called to share that message of grace with a lost and a dying world. And so, Lord, again, I know that I'm a weak vessel. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I really truly believe that the Lord, when he, when he wants to get our attention, that he will hammer away at certain subjects. And they don't come up by happenstance or by accident, but time and time again, uh, through the preaching of God's word, through small group studies, maybe you're listening uh, to the radio, to, a, to a, a Christian radio station, and through the music you're listening to or through the messages you're listening to there, you're going to continue to hear the same refrain of what God is trying to get, it, get our attention about, what he's trying to point out in our lives. And I believe right now, at least for me, that issue has been grace. And I got to hear that for the last week. And even before uh, Brother West told me that what he was going to preach about, I was preparing this message, and it's about grace. Because I believe God wants to get our attention on this subject. And so... Over the last week, our, our hearts have been focused on grace and what it means to be saved by grace, what it means to be lavished upon with grace by our loving Lord. We've looked at the grace that we are to show to others uh, that may have hurt us in some way, but to show them a little bit of grace. And this morning, again, we're going to turn our attention towards grace here in Genesis chapter 3, which is probably a very familiar passage for for most of us here this morning. And as we enter into chapter 3, we, we've looked at chapters 1 and 2 thus far. And as we enter into chapter 3, everything in creation is about to be changed because of the choice of man. Chapter 3 is all about the fall of man. And in that fall, the entire human race was plunged into darkness, sin, and ultimately death. In that terrible instant when God recognized that man had chosen to rebel and sin, everything changed. Man died spiritually and became spiritually separated from Almighty God. And man became helpless in his ability to get back in a right relationship with God. And from that moment, mankind fell into sin and into ruin. And God has made it his business to seek fallen man and to offer to reestablish relationship with him. God has always desired a relationship with us. That's always been his desire. And so this truth is clearly presented in this account. I think even as we see the horrors of what is going on in chapter 3, as, as we choose to rebel and as we choose to push God away, we also see the grace of God reaching out and saying, I'm not going to let you go. 
and continually seeking to bring us back. And so we see the immediate aftermath of what takes place after our decision to sin and, and what that means to us in relationship to God. So this morning, if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 24. Man's fall and God's grace. Now the serpent was more subdile than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God hath no for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, and thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be... To thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thy return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. 
So he drove out the man, and he placed him at the east of the garden of Eden, cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. You may be seated. What a powerful passage of scripture. What, what theology and understanding of what has taken place we, we get here from Genesis chapter 3. The first thing I want you to do is turn your attention to verse number 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden on the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. What I want you to see here is God came to man. And that's important for us to see here. That's a theological truth that we need to understand and we need to get a grasp of. If we're going to understand what salvation is really all about. God came to man. Man had transgressed the commandments of God. He had sinned. He had rebelled purposefully, willingly. And now there was great, a great gulf between God and man. Isaiah 59.2, Isaiah puts it this way. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his, his face from you, that he will not hear. Apparently, it was God's custom to come and to commune and spend time with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Um, I don't know about you, but I enjoy, if I'm going to take a walk, I enjoy taking that walk in the, in the morning or in the evening, in the cool of the day. In fact, Robin and I did, did that this morning. And, and we enjoyed talking, we enjoyed just, just, you know, before church and everything else, just getting to communicate together. That was God's custom, that during that comfortable part of the day, to spend time with man and woman, and commune with them, to have relationship with them. And so now, man has sinned. And because man had sinned, God had every right to stay away. God had every right to say, no, I'm done with you. You chose to rebel against the one thing I told you not to do. He could have stayed away, but he didn't. He came anyway. And that's grace. And he's still doing that today. Do you realize that? God is still pursuing us and coming after us. Even today, when the sinner's heart is stirred and he's made aware of the great love of God, when we feel the conviction of our sin and the drawing of the Holy Spirit to himself, that is God coming after us. That is God pursuing us. That's the Lord walking in the cool of the day, seeking fellowship with us. Think about what Jesus did in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He makes it very clear that he didn't come for the righteous, but for sinners. He came for those of us who couldn't do it ourselves, who, who re recognized that, you know what, my good just isn't good enough. But in reality, that's all of us. None of us are good enough. God the Father in Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 is described, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversations in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, 
even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he hath raised us up together. And he made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He came after us. It is grace and grace alone that allows a holy God to come after us. Sinners. Rebels. But he loves us. Thank God. Thank God for grace. But look with me at verses 9 and 10. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. God called man. God called man. He didn't just come to look upon man's misery. He called out to Adam in, a, in an effort to reach him. Man is dead in his sins until God awakens him to that fact. If it weren't God coming after us, we would never come after God. It is only at the call of God that the sinner can be saved. The Holy Spirit has to, has to cause us to recognize our need for, for Jesus or we would never seek after Jesus. John 6, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day john 6 65 and he said therefore said i unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given to him of my father if it weren't for him coming after us and drawing us and calling us we would never come after him it's the pure grace of a holy god that he would call any one of us into a love relationship with himself think about the calling of the disciples the disciples were not good enough. They just weren't. They weren't the B team. They weren't even the C team. They might have been the D plus team. I don't know. But these are guys who have been passed over and then passed over again and then passed over a third time. In that day and time, if a rabbi believed that there was a, a young boy who had potential, who had potential to, to learn the scriptures and to be able to to, to teach and to lead he would take him to be his disciple and that was done at, at a young age young teenage boys would have been chosen they'd have been chosen to follow a rabbi and that was a great honor but guess what if you weren't chosen by a rabbi you had to find another trade maybe a freight a, a trade like being a fisherman maybe a trade like going and working for the roman government as a tax collector but you had to find something else to do. These men were in their early 20s. These guys were, were guys that had been passed over. They had been said, no, you're not good enough. You, you, you wouldn't make it as a disciple of a rabbi. You, you wouldn't make it in, in that because you're just, you're not, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough at, at learning the scriptures. You're not good enough at knowing the law and, 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 and trying to explain the law to anybody else. And so they had been passed over and passed over and passed over until Jesus found them in fishing boats and in tax collecting booths. And he called them to himself. 
Not because they were good enough, but because he desired to do something in their lives that was greater than them. He desired to put his, his, his life into theirs and to cause them to be greater than they could be on their own. That's grace. We see that in his calling of you and me. There is nothing special in Brad Walker, and I recognize that. I am weak and I am frail, and I understand there are a lot of you who could do this probably better than me. I understand that. But for whatever reason, God chose to call me to himself and to save me as a nine-year-old boy. And then as a teenager to call me into ministry. He chooses to use me, and he chooses to call you to himself for relationship. He wants to use your life. Maybe he wants to use you as a Sunday school teacher. Maybe he wants to use you as an encourager to others. Maybe as a greeter at the door. Maybe as somebody who works behind the scenes and nobody sees what you're doing because you're working with kids or you're working with youth or you're just working behind the scenes. But God chooses to use your life in a powerful way. Not because there's anything in us that, that makes it that he just couldn't do it without us, but because of his great grace, he draws us in and desires to use us in ministry. Desires to have a relationship with us. That is grace. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that he called man. Look at verse 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? God confronted man. God confronted man. God challenged man on the basis of his sin. God wasn't fishing for information before the foundation of the world. God knew that man was going to rebel. He already knew that was going to take place, and yet he created us anyway. He knew what Adam and Eve would do, and so therefore he knew what Adam and Eve had done. He didn't have to ask them, but what he desired here was a confession. Have you ever known what your children or grandchildren had done, but you ask them anyway just because you want to see if they're going to tell you the truth? They wonder how we know these things. We're, we're, we're good, aren't we? We're good. Sometimes I wondered how my mom and dad knew. I, they didn't even have cell phones back then. I don't know how they knew, but they always knew. And so they weren't asking me to find the information out. They already had all the information. But they wanted to know, is my son going to tell me the truth, or is he going to lie to me? Because if he lies to me, he's going to be in a whole lot more trouble. But what God wants to do is he wants to see, will they confess? Will they give a confession of what has taken place here? And instead of a confession, what God received was accusations. The woman whom thou gavest to me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Adam's w, double accusation is seen here. The woman, he, 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 he blames her even though he was responsible. He was responsible for protecting her from a talking snake men did you know you're still responsible for protecting your wife from a talking snake you are and i don't know if some of us are doing a very good job of it men we've been called to be the spiritual leaders in our homes and there's a culture of talking snakes out there and it's obvious they're snakes and it's obvious what they're up to but we're just standing back and not doing a whole lot about it and that's what adam did he didn't protect his wife from a talking snake. And there were great consequences because of it. 
But not only did he blame the woman, but he also blamed God. Whom thou gavest me, he blames God for giving him a wife that he had asked for. See, this is what we do. This is what we constantly do. We, we blame God. We blame God for, for what is clearly our responsibility. This is what God does for the sinner, though. He reveals to us the sinfulness of our lives, and he calls upon us to repent. Think about John the Baptist. He called for the people to repent. He called for the people to be baptized in a baptism of repentance. Jesus was calling on the religious leaders. He was calling on all to repent. It's pure grace that shows the sinner the error of his lifestyle. See, without the special revelation of God, we would continue in to hell. It's the grace of God that we know how to be saved. And what, what do I mean by that? The entire world has been given the general revelation of God. The, the entire world has been given the general, general revelation of creation. That you can look around and you can see the sunset. You can see the beauty of the moon and the stars and, and the constellations. You can see the beauty of, of the oceans and the rivers and the lakes and the mountains and the beautiful fall colors in the trees. And you can know that there is a creator. You can know there is an intelligent creator God. You can know that just from creation itself. But it requires the special revelation of God. It requires the word of God for us to know who that God is. For us to know that he loves us. For us to know that he sent his son. And his son's name is Jesus Christ. And that he went to the cross of Calvary. And that he died in our place. That he shed his blood as the redemption of our sins. And then he was dead and buried for three days and arose. It takes the special revelation of the word of God for us to know who that God is and the great love that he has for us and the fact that he desires a relationship with us. It may be painful to see yourself as you really are, but until you do, you will never see a need to be different. And so God is calling Adam and Eve to recognize their sin and to recognize what has happened here. It is grace that challenges us in our lifestyle. None of us like to be called on our mistakes. None of us like for that to be pointed out. None of us like to be told, you know what, you didn't do that right. You messed up. But we need that. We need that if we're ever going to change. And there's some of us that may not have people who are willing to do that in our lives. But we need that. And God's willing to do that. So don't get mad at God when God comes and says, you know what? You're wrong in that area. <laughs> You're wrong there. That's sin. That's an issue. That's, that's becoming a great issue in your life. Instead of getting mad at God, we need to draw closer to God. And so that's what we see here. God challenges them. Thank God that he doesn't just let us go and do whatever we want. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is a blessing. John 16, 7 through 11, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because thou believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. 
Jesus says, you need the Holy Spirit because you need to have me with you all the time. And right now, I can only be in one place at one time. He was limited. When he, when he chose to, to become man, he was limited in the same way that you can't be in more than one place at one time. While Jesus was on this earth, he was limited to be around the people that he was around. But he said, my Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit can be with you at all times. He will indwell you. He will take up residency within you. And you need that. You need that for comfort, but you also need that for correction. But then look, look at verses 12 through 20, and we see that God chastened man. Notice the various judgments that are meted out on the sinners. We, we begin by looking at woman. He says, because you've rebelled, you'll have pain in bringing forth children. And there will be a conflict between you and your husband. There will be a certain amount of conflict there that wasn't there before. And with man, we talked about the fact, remember we talked about the fact that work was created by God. That it was something that brought purpose and joy into life. And so Adam had, had joyful work to do in paradise there in Eden. But now God says there's going to be a difference, there's going to be a change because of sin, because of rebellion. Instead of there being great joy and purpose, there's going to be drudgery in work. Thorns and weeds to contend with in your fields. Anybody ever had to contend with thorns and weeds? Anybody ever had a flower bed or a garden? <laughs> we know what that is like. Uh, we, we're constantly battling. He says there's going to be life in a field. And what does that mean? It's separation from God, because rather than life in paradise, rather than life with communion with God, there's now going to be the separation of being outside of paradise, outside of Eden, and life will be in the field. There will be drudgery of, of just constantly working for your food, rather than the joy of just joining God in what he's doing in paradise. Life is separated out in the field. But yet this too was the grace of God. You see, he told them that the moment they chose to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, at that moment that death would enter in. So God had every right, every right. Look at, look at verse, chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to the warning. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Okay? So God is completely in his rights to have taken their lives at that instant but because of the grace of God he did not do that he did not immediately take their lives but death did enter in God's chastening and restraining hand stands as a reminder that there is a price to be paid for our sin I want you to imagine for a moment that God just allowed us to do as we please that there were no checks on our lives that he just said you know whatever whatever you want to do you just do whatever you want Think about what our lives will be like. Think about what this world would be like. It, you know, it's bad enough as it is. But if, if all of us just did whatever was right in our own minds, we would all send our way straight to hell. Or if we had a relationship with the Lord and we chose to do that, we'd be in deep trouble. There would be no joy. He chastens us, though, calls our attention away from the pleasure of sin so that we might see the reality of sin. That sin is brutal. Sin is ugly. Sin is defiling. And we need to understand that because the world says that it's fun. It's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. That it's what you need to be doing. That you need to live like the world. Otherwise, there's something wrong with you. 
but yet God says it's, it's brutal and ugly and defiling, and you need to understand that. Nobody likes chastisement. Nobody likes discipline in their lives. Nobody likes the paddle. <laughs> None of us do. But it is necessary to produce what God desires in our lives, which is a life of purpose and a life of joy that's lived in him instead of in separation from him. It's the grace of God that discipline and chastisement is brought into our lives. But look at verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin, and he clothed them. They, they had fashioned together fig leaves, but God said that's not enough. And he fashions coats of skin. Their sin became real. When that, ad, when that animal died to cover their nakedness. Fig, fig leaves weren't enough. That didn't show the picture of what their sin was. They thought they could just cover it up and it was okay. No, God says there's a price to be paid. Death suddenly was understood as the blood of that animal flowed on the ground and the skin was removed from that animal to cover the shame of their nakedness. They instantly realized that they were responsible, that an innocent animal had to die because of their sin. It was the grace of God that accepted the sacrifice of an innocent party to atone for the sin of the guilty. The picture is being painted right here and in, in, right now in chapter 3. Our salvation is the same way. Because the blood that flowed at Calvary was from a Savior who was innocent and pure. And it was, it was shed there to cleanse the shame of our sinful lives. There was a price that had to be paid. That we couldn't pay. And so he's, he paid it for us. It's the pure grace of God that saves the sinner. Cleanses him and clothes him in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks at us and, and when he sees purity, it's because he's looking at his son. We are clothed in the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Our salvation is free, but it is anything but cheap. The cross and the awful death that Jesus faced there for sinners, it was because there was no other way. It was the pure grace of God in action. Grace is the sinner's only hope. Pure grace and nothing other than grace can ever save us and atone for our sins. If you think you're going to clean your life up before you come to Jesus, you'll never come to Jesus. You don't have the power to clean it up. Just as much as they didn't have the power to cover themselves with those fig leaves, it wasn't enough. We don't have it in us to cover over our sin. It is through grace that we enter into salvation. But then, lastly, I want you to see in verses 20 through 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And so he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way, and to keep the way of the tree of life. We see here God commanded man. Notice the, the context here. Rebellion against God changed everything relationally between man and God. Man has now fallen into sin and thus cursed with separation from God. The, the, the communion that he had always enjoyed ha has now been taken away. There is now separation. And so with access to the tree of life, 
in that condition, man would have been eternally separated from God. If man had taken of the, of the fruit of the tree of life, he would have been separated from ever, forever and ever and ever from God. And so this is the implication of man being allowed access to the tree of life in that fallen state. Man would have literally been cursed with living hell on earth. Because the ultimate horror of hell is that it is separation from God forever and ever and ever. And that's what we need to understand. That separation from God is the worst part of hell. Eternally separated from the presence of the love of God is hell. And so God's command to cast them out was not punishment. It was a commandment of compassion and grace. He said, I don't want them to be separated from me forever. His grace is evident in our lives and the things that he keeps us from. He isn't a cosmic killjoy. He knows what is best for you and for me. And he says, I don't want you to get hurt. And therefore, some things are off limits to children of God. Some things you don't need to be a part of. It's grace that protects us and our testimony and our fellowship with the Father and says, you don't need to be a part of what the world is diving headfirst into. I want to protect you. Adam thought it was the worst thing that could happen when it all along was the best possible solution to a terrible problem. Grace is why you and I can rest assured of a home in heaven. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Brinesburg, thank God for grace. Thank God for the grace of God. It is evident all the way back in the Garden of Eden, and it is still evident this morning. We ought to praise him for his grace and rest in it with full assurance of faith. His grace truly is amazing. And this morning, if you are outside of a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know that this morning, he is pursuing you. He is coming after you. He is drawing you. And so when you feel that conviction, when you feel that draw, that's the Lord speaking to your heart. And he has made way for you to be able to come to him today. If he's convicting your heart, it means he's given you the grace to be able to come forward today. You come. You come and let's... Let's talk about whatever questions you may have, but you come and you get it right. But maybe some of us, we need to pray this morning. I don't know what the issues in your life are. I don't know who it is that you need to be praying for, but some of us need to be here at this altar and we need to be interceding on behalf of others. But how has the Lord spoken to you this morning? How do you need to respond to his great grace? Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. Even in the midst of our rebellion and our sin, Lord, you chose to come after us. You chose to not keep us in that constant state of separation and rebellion. But Lord, you came to draw us back to yourself. And so Lord, this morning, I pray that you would speak to those who do not yet have a personal love relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you might draw them to yourself. And Lord, that we might see individuals move from spiritual death to spiritual life even today. Lord, some of us need to come to this altar and some of us need to be in, in prayer. Lord, some of us need to come and we need to join this church family. And we need to say, you know what, this needs to be my church home. Lord, whatever the, the proper response of obedience would be this morning, Lord, help us to do what you've called us to do even today. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, would you come?